Good afternoon to everyone and thank you for choosing to be here and for choosing to spend your afternoon here with us. So for those who don't know, I'm Patricia Rogan Fable and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values and it's called Maximising Property Values. It's on all the popular podcast platforms so you can find it on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, on Audible, all of those. And it's a monologue, but I've now added a guest series. So there'll be at least two of us talking. And this is one of them. And I'm doing it via Clubhouse. So that's why I call it my Clubhouse guest series. And my guest today is Rosita McGowan. Now, we are going to look into Rosita's life as much as we can. So Rosita, do bear with me. So now, in what I'm going to do actually before I go into any of that is I'm going to post Rosita's link. So the link that's up there at the moment, if you tap on that, that will get you to the podcast. So if you want to listen to this, you just go there and subscribe to it on your favourite channel and you will then be able to get anything that comes out. And um, this here is a link to Rosita's website. Um, so again, you know, click on that to find out a bit more about Rosita. But before you do that, let's just find out who is Rosita. Now, in October 2020, somebody wrote this about Rosita. Let me just read it out. Rosita is a highly... Mm -mm. Let me start again. Rosita is highly knowledgeable in property tax and law and is trustworthy, approachable and professional. She is committed and focused on my brand and marketing mastermind. Okay, I've given it away. And is quite the entrepreneur too, as well as being a thoroughly lovely person. So this was something that Rob Moore wrote about Rosita in 2020. Yesterday, when I posted a story about this room happening today, somebody commented, she's amazing. So I went back and I said, oh, you know Rosita, do you? How do you know Rosita? And it was, no, I don't actually know her, but I've listened to her and she is simply amazing. So I'm not going to tell you who that was because obviously they don't know you and that comment was to me, Rosita, but these other things that people are saying about you. So Rosita, welcome to Maximising Property Values. But before we go into the nitty gritty of today and this room and this podcast, I would like you to tell us so that we get to know you even better. The best and the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So that's two things. The best thing that's ever happened to you so far and the worst thing that's ever happened to you so far. Hi, Patricia. Wow, what an introduction. Um, I came feeling really scared and then you picked me up. So I'm feeling much better now. Thank you. Um, so the best and the worst thing that happened to me. There are quite a few of those. Um, but uh, I probably will pick um, the same event that actually was the worst thing and the best thing for me. 
It was the um, breakdown of my marriage. Oh, I'm just trying even to think now how many years ago that was. Um, I don't know, eight maybe, something like that. It completely, completely broke me as a person, who I was and how I saw the world and my whole world shattered in front of me and the reason it was so bad for me is because you know unfortunately didn't have the best um, upbringing and family is something that I always longed for and when I you know got got married and we had two children you know we married for life that's how I saw it and uh, that's how we both saw it but unfortunately, things didn't quite work out. We weren't very um, well matched, as it turns out. <laughs> um, so, so that was my, you know, a dream that I had since the age of probably five to have my own family. And all of a sudden, that, you know, the rug was pulled, and everything shattered. So I built myself, um, you know, on that. And then all of a sudden, I no longer had it. So that was the worst thing. But the best thing that came out of that is sort of, you know, my whole world, my whole life transformed inside and out. Um, I became, I learned how to feel, you know, that family within um, and how to create our family, just three of us. Um, I became, even though I was always, you know, independent, but now I just became so fiercely independent um, in every in every way. Um, I'm so happy um, with pretty much, you know, like if, if there is anything you ask me, I'm just I'm just so happy with my lot. Everything that there is in my life, however, no, you know, not perfect it is, but I'm just really, really solid, happy. And not like, you know, joyous, like, you know, ecstatic. I'm just so content. And so everything sort of fell into place. It's almost like in a slow motion, the bombs gone off and the floorboards were ripped and the roof came off. And then everything slowly just came together and fell into the right places. And the beautiful, harmonious, warm house was built. That is my home. And that's probably, um, and, and, and that built me as a professional, that built me as a mother, that built me as a, as a friend um, in, 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 every, in every shape um, or form. So that was my best and worst moment, Patricia. Wow. Do you know, Rosita, you, that, that was so passionate. Thank you very, very much for sharing that with us. Do you know, I, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on to this. And I am so glad with the people that I've had on this show, because every single person is my kind of person. Mm a truthful person, mm. an honest person, somebody who embraces who they are. Mm. And that, oh no, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm, I, I am delighted, you know, and I'm, I, and the more I get to know my guests, the more humble I feel, and the more 
the more blessed actually that I that I do actually know you guys and not so and these questions even though they started as like a tongue-in-cheek type of thing I am benefiting so much from them because I really am getting to know the person behind the name behind the picture behind that professional so great stuff thank you thank you thank you thank you so much now i know that you don't bill yourself as a property person and because you are a tax tax expert i thought we would make this all about tax and taxes so can you just share with us a few mistakes that property professionals make because i would love for me the way that I, I i i personally learn the best and the most is from my own mistakes and from other people's mistakes so i'm hoping that other people might kind of like learn the same way that i do and if you share some of those mistakes with us there'll be things that we will say to ourselves i'm not going to make that mistake and that will just help us build our businesses better and faster so if you don't mind sharing a few mistakes that you know that property professionals make then hopefully that will help all of us thanks thank for you thank you patricia yes i mean as you were talking i was just nodding away and you know getting a tear in my eye because yes it, it's it's exactly that it's just so lovely to connect with um people like-minded people um and and we we connect on those same values. Um, now, with regards to um, the mistakes that property investors make, um, I, I sort of I will I will start with the bigger picture, and then perhaps we can delve in a little bit deeper with that. So, the the number one thing is we don't know what we don't know. And the biggest quandary for any property investor is people when they when they starting out on their property journey. Again, we don't know what we don't know, so they don't know what they don't know, and often they think, "Well, I actually don't need tax advice right now," and because it's quite expensive, obviously, all professionals, as as you know, Patricia. You know, we, our fees are, you know, reasonably, you know, higher than, you know, um, standard accountant or bookkeeper. Um, and um, they often would, you know, compare that. You think, oh, well, actually, that, that's quite expensive. I don't, re I don't really need this advice right now. When I need it later on, then I will look into it. What happens is later on is when the mistake is made or advice is not taken or they've not taken advantage of something that they could have then they look back and they think i should have really taken advice there and then i should have so it's often at the beginning either the finances aren't there and so the decisions are made um purely based on finances um but you sort of end up paying for it in the end um, much more because you know you've not taken um you've not taken the right steps um so for example number one and we we it's it's a very very simple one um not charging interest on director's loan account 
So when you, um, so we were talking here about um, individuals um, starting out and opening up a limited company. So this is, you know, corporate structure. So you bought properties in, in a limited company and most of the time you would have invested your own money there. Now, if you haven't charged the interest on director's loan there and then, you can't go back and charge it again. So currently, I recently just, it's just popping into my mind. Um, I spoke to a lady um, about a week or two ago, and this is one thing that she regrets greatly because she has invested a substantial amount of money into her limited company and she wasn't aware of this and basically she wasn't able to take advantage of that because something like for example if we um if we take let's say the salary um, if the salary is paid to a director the company doesn't have to pay out that salary that salary can go and sit on director's loan account and the director whenever in the future if they want to take that money out they can and that will be already tax-free because let's say for argument's sake you put you know that's you know 8840 every year in through the books and you've taken advantage of that uh, tax-free allowance of every year whatever it is currently is 12 uh, 1500 and next year is going to be 12,570 so that money you know was put through the books um, you didn't pay any tax on it but that money accumulates so if you start your you know your journey let's say um, you know for the first five years you've not taken anything out so if you put that 8840 for five years um, you know, that's going to be £44,200 that is available for you to take out tax-free when you are ready because that will be sitting on your director's loan account. Now, of course, there are other implications if you're looking for investors and, you know, that will sit as a liability on, on the account. That's, you know, so everything's got to be looked at in a, in a bigger, um, as, as a bigger picture. But with a director's uh, interest on the director's loan account um, the money that company owes you if you are you know the money that you invested if you charge interest on that that interest has got to be paid within that financial year so that's something that cannot be put and onto director's loan account and sit there um, it has to be paid out that particular year. So fair enough, if you didn't have enough cash flow to take it out, that is fine. But, you know, in this instance, this lady, she feels really, really let down um, because she didn't know. She didn't know that, that she could have done that and this would have reduced her tax liability. Not only that, it would have reduced the um, company's uh, tax liability. So, you know, because that's interest that company pays is a tax deductible expense. So it's a really, really good way of taking um, the money out. So, Rosita, mm. just a couple of things here. So mm. the tax free amount that you're talking about, mm. that is if the director isn't earning money anywhere else. Yes. And this is their first amount of 
yeah of, of, mm -hmm. of taxable income okay yeah. cool and secondly now with this interest now mm -hmm. the interest isn't it can you just tell us because uh, okay so i don't charge interest on my uh, director's loan account and i took the view because i i like an easy life and i i understood or i understand that when you charge interest on those loans you need to return i think it's a quarterly yeah. um, report to hmrc ct 61 61 can you just tell us about that and am i am i actually an idiot for thinking that do you know I'd rather not do these CT61s um, and I'll forego the interest. But having said, I have an agreement, I usually have an agreement between myself and the company, mm -hmm. which allows the company not to pay me interest. So I don't charge separate interest. I just say, mm -hmm. if that money is costing me whatever, I can't remember the wording that I use, then what the company is doing is it, it's literally just indemnifying me. Um, so in a way, it does pay interest, but it's not paying me interest. It's literally mm -hmm. just paying the amounts back. So tell me, am I wrong? Am I right? Uh, there isn't right and wrong. So yes, there is an administration there involved, but then again, it will depend on the amounts. Um, you know, so if the amounts are reasonably small, so you've got to out, you know, weigh this up and think, well, actually, you know, who is going to be doing that CT61? Can my bookkeeper do it? Um, you know, is that something that um, can be, you know, so like you said, it is, it's got to be done quarterly. Um, so in just to give an overview, CT61, it has got to be completed uh, by the limited company if that company is paying interest to an individual. If the company is paying interest to um, another company, another corporate body, it doesn't have to do that. Now, if it's paying to an individual, then the, 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 the regulations are, the requirement is that the company is to withhold 20% and that 20% the company will pay over to HMRC. So you will receive that interest less, 20% less. And then you will reclaim that 20% through your um, tax return. Um, if obviously, if there is tax, uh, if there is no tax to pay, if there is tax to pay, then obviously that will be balanced out and and that's how it goes so for example if you think about it let's say for a higher rate taxpayer you would be thinking well you know why do i want to be taking out the interest and pay 40 percent on it because that's what you will have to pay there's only 500 pounds a year for a higher rate taxpayer that can be paid to you tax-free um, anything over that will be taxed at 40 percent but so that's if we're looking just from the cash perspective however if you look um cash cash in hand but if you are you know the 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 if the company is your company if you don't have other you know shareholders you know what have you then then you you've got to look at the picture as as you and the company you've got to adapt those you can adapt those savings and so you will say okay if my company is paying me, um, you know, thousand pounds of 
interest, that thousand pounds will be uh, tax deductible. So I'm going to be saving 19% tax on that when the company pays me that interest and I'm going to be paying 40%. Yes, I'm paying 40%, but I've already saved 19% within the company. So you see what I'm saying? Overall, it's a really um, tax efficient way of taking the money out. Um, so it will depend on the figures. If it's only you know a few hundred pounds, you would be thinking, well, I'm only getting a few hundred pounds and then I've got to pay that, you know, my accountant or bookkeeper to, to do the CT61 then, and then transfer all those um, payments and, and faff with that, then maybe it's not really worth it. But if there is substantial, uh, you know, amounts involved, I think somebody um, we were having this discussion with um, at another point is, for example, if you are needing um, bridging finance, let's say there is no other type of lending available for you. <clears throat> and the only type of financing that your company could get would be bridging finance. Now, we know that could be really, really expensive. Um, and I see that all the time with uh, completion statements from, from my clients. Um, so then you think, well, if I can prove that the only finance that my company can get is bridging finance, and if I can provide that finance to my company, then I could be, you know, I could potentially charge similar interest um, on that lending. Um, so then it becomes, well, actually, that's quite a, that could be potentially a very, very good return. And then it, in that instance, it might be worth um, taking this path. So, yeah, I, I don't think you, you know, you're being um, silly or I can't remember what the word you use, Patricia. Um, but it's, it, it all depends on the on on figures. Wow. Um, great stuff there. So, um, if we, so let's look at your example again. So a thousand pounds. So if someone was going to charge their company a thousand pounds and they're a higher rate taxpayer, when the company pays the interest to them, the company has to deduct 20%. So that would be what, 200 pounds. So they'll mm -hmm. pay, the company will pay the director 800 pounds mm -hmm. and it will pay 200 pounds to hmrc mm -hmm. then when the director is looking at their tax return at the end of january well up until mm -hmm. the end of january for that period they then have to account for what 40 percent 20 percent has already been withheld mm -hmm. so they have to equalize that don't they by paying mm -hmm. another 200 to hmrc mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they are left with six hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. So that six hundred pounds that they've got, so that six hundred pounds has then cost them four hundred pounds in tax. In if, theory, but okay. then you've got to use the hundred and ninety pounds that company saved on the tax. Okay, so the 190 that the company's not paid, so mm -hmm. that then reduces the total tax cost to mm -hmm. 210. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not good with figures, so do bear with me. I'm bound no, that's to make okay. a mistake I'm, I'm, at some No, point. it's okay. I'm going with you and I'm using a calculator to okay, just great as well, yeah. Okay, now, can you tell us, Rosita, if this is one option to do it, 
And the other option is to actually take a dividend in the company. What would the figures be like if that person thought, okay, I won't do interest, say they've got the opportunity to do it because they're just starting out, like you explained, and they say, actually, I, I maybe won't do the interest, I'll do the dividends. Can you just tell us how a thousand pounds of dividends will, oh, actually, let's let's say this is the second company that's going to that's gonna be paying them dividends because the, 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 the tax-free dividends you can only get from one company. So let's not complicate it. Let, let's assume that this has to be taxable. How would that work on a thousand pounds? So if we work with the first example that we set and we take into account that £190 that company saved, yeah? So mm -hmm. we, in total, we're saying we paid £210 uh, in tax. Yeah. So that's 21% um, tax in total. So for mm -hmm. a higher rate taxpayer, I think that's great, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, for the if we are to take that thousand um, pounds as a higher rate taxpayer, you would be paying thirty-two and a half percent tax on that. So you will have overall um, less cash in hand for the same amount. For the sorry, I didn't even mute myself back. <laughs> I was so, yeah, I'm so excited to hear your answer. Okay, so. so so let's dividends. have a look at this. Hold on. I'm just going to put this into into um, the figures. Uh, hold on. 21. So with the first interest um, example, you will have in in ca as you know cash in the pocket or not cash in the pocket overall figure will be 790. And with uh, taking the dividend out, it will be 675. So you are looking at 115 pound difference, or in other words, 11% um, extra from the total amount. So I think wow. that's, that's, a good, that's a good percentage. It's it's an amazing percentage. It's 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 just so much more. So clearly, then, based on these two examples, um, it's better to charge interest and to take the money out as interest rather than as dividends. Now, with how how much roughly, not you, but generally in the industry, how much did would an accountant cost so not a tax advisor but just a, an accountant how much would they charge to prepare these ct61s four times a year because because we need to compare you know like for like i i'm mm. i'm assuming so i'm i'm trying to drill down into these numbers a bit more so you know probably all in all whether you know completing the paperwork you know start to finish making a payment communicating sending all through you know it probably will take about an hour's work right um let, let's just overestimate you know it probably wouldn't take that much but you know what it's like patricia you as a solicitor as a solicitor you know that there is there are always more steps involved than you know just the completion of the actual form so let's assume these are four hours of work um you know a, a year 
Um, so four hours of work, you're just looking at how much your accountant will be charging you. Um, and a lot of good bookkeepers will, will be able to do that. So the good bookkeeper, we're talking about 30, 35 pounds an hour. So, you know, that's what, let's say four hours, um, 35 pounds an hour, 140 pounds a year. Um, that's for you to um, to pay a bookkeeper to do that. And, you know, most accountancy firms will have somebody else um, who would be able to do that kind of work for, um, you know, for a lower fee. Um, because we always, you know, we, all, we always delegate um, as much as we possibly can. And that's what I always do. I delegate as much as I possibly can to save my clients um, money. And, and that's why my, you know, my fees are much lower um, because, because of that. Simply. Right. Okay. So I guess it's a question of preference, um, but this is something which people, honestly, if you are in that position, you want to literally be linking up with Rosita so that she can go through this with you so that you can make sure that you are not losing money. You are not throwing money away. And like with most people, what she's saying is, look at the numbers, you know, put pen to paper, mm. drill down, find out, you know, what is actually going to cost you more or what is going to put more money in your pocket. So thank you very much for um, Rosita. So that's point number one, which I have labelled, don't be penny wise and pound foolish. Spend <laughs> a little bit of money, get some good advice and save more. So yeah, okay, so that's point number one. Okay, carry on, please. So we we on to um, we're still on on the mistakes. Yep. Um, so that's one. So the next one is already I've mentioned is that beginning to take salary. So that would not apply to everybody. If you've got um, employment elsewhere, or you are taking salary from your other companies. Um, you know, you've only got that £12,500 of tax-free allowance. So again, working that out and, um, you know, making sure that you're maximizing it. And if you're not taking a salary anywhere else, please, please make sure you do account for that in your limited company and put it there because the more you'll, ha the more you have in, in your director's loan account, the more you can take out tax-free um, from your company eventually. Because, you know, the idea is obviously the number one question, as you know, Patricia, it's always, you know, do I buy in my own name or do I buy in a limited company name? And there's, you know, the, the, there isn't one answer for everybody. The circumstances will be different. But um, if very often we will say if you don't need to take money out from your limited company um, if you don't need that money to live on that your limited company will be producing then have a limited company and start with an exit plan in mind how are you going to eventually get that the money out from that company what, what is it that you have in mind will that be left to your children uh, to other family members, do you need to start planning and, you know, inheritance tax planning? And um, obviously, I've, I've said this many times before, that's not something I specialize in, but I do work with somebody who does. So we, you know, that, that's number one. Will you be thinking of selling 
um, the business. Again, if you think of selling it on, perhaps it is a good way of thinking how you're going to run that business so that it is attractive um, to be sold eventually so it's attractive for the buyers. Um, and that's something that you know we also work with number of clients on. Um, I have um, in my network, I have a couple of um, really good um, um, advisors and they are, you know, also, uh, they, well, also they are chartered accountants who have moved on to these areas of expertise and they specifically specialize in finding buyers for businesses and building, helping small businesses to build up. So one is helping small businesses and small and medium, and the other one is only dealing with uh, really large um, companies. And um, so th then when you're starting with that in, in mind, how am I going to exit? How am I going to benefit? Then you realize the value of the director's loan account. Um, and how and if, when will you be because at the end when you when the company is sold you will be able to take that money that will sit as a liability on on the balance sheet of a company and you will be able to take that out tax free so it is so that's the salary um, part that a lot of uh, property investors don't take advantage of uh, oh, Rosita, sorry. Yeah. Can, so my brain is whirling around right now. Um, so, um, so when you say they can take that out, do, will, will that also apply to us property people that HMRC doesn't consider um, us to be in business, um, um, as well as people who are in business, who they accept are in business? Mm -hmm. um, does it apply to us equally? Well, absolutely, because um, you know, who, if if you if you have a company, you are a share, shareholder, you are a director, and in in this instance that we are discussing, you would be an employee, so you would be on payroll. Um, you working for your company, you know, you are you are employed by your company, so regardless you know with regards to whether obviously the if we're talking of standards you know buy to lets and you know the if what you what you're referring to as investment company um, opposed to trading company from hmrc's perspective then that really is makes it, it depends which act we're looking at and depends what are we trying to achieve so when when it comes to your taxing your income it will be taxed you know property income it will be taxed exactly the same but then when we're looking at um reliefs availability of reliefs then that's when it will um differ but you know anybody employed uh, within a company for somebody who's actually working and you would as a director you would be um, you can, you know, that's, that, that's just how it goes. We employ people to do work for us and company is allowed to employ you and pay you a salary for the work that you do. And you are legally entitled to a maximize tax reliefs um, available for you to minimize your tax liability. So here we're not talking about the tax avoidance. We're not talking about dodgy ways um, of going about it. We are here looking at what's available and we're trying to 
make sure that we apply that to you because like i said you are working for your business so therefore you are entitled to pay yourself a salary if that suits you so you're not just an investor who is a who's a, a shareholder who gets paid a dividend you know you're much more than that and oh, okay oh okay so maybe i'm 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 getting myself confused. So um, the point that I that my brain latched onto was mm -hmm. if you if so you agree with the company that the company is going to pay you let's say ten thousand pounds a year, mm -hmm. and that agreement is in place for five years, but you don't take mm -hmm. any of the money. So your director's loan account is fifty thousand pounds more than it would otherwise have been, and mm -hmm. then you sell the company, mm -hmm. and then I thought you said you could then take everything in the director's loan account tax-free. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the bit that I was looking at. Mm -hmm. you, you, so, you, you, so you get the £50,000 tax-free um, mm -hmm. and you don't have to pay any tax on it mm -hmm. whatsoever. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. ah, because you've already paid tax on an annual basis. So as far, so you see, because when the, do you see my point? Ah, so when so when the amount goes into your loan director's loan account, you're actually paying tax on it, even though you're not getting it. So that that let's say that ten thousand pounds would have been put through payroll in your within your company, yeah, and that ten thousand pounds instead of company paying you cash, the company put that into your director's loan account and made that available to you to be paid whenever the company is ready or whenever you need cash so do oh. you you as a taxpayer have taken advantage of that tax-free allowance uh, that everybody else does and instead of paying yourself cash then you are keeping that money there because you perhaps saying well i don't need um cash today i perhaps you perhaps have other properties in your personal name and you know you're receiving cash that way or perhaps you you know i don't know you're living off dividends and you know it depends on your personal circumstances but obviously we've got to we must not forget that that salary is going to impact because that only 12 and a half thousand pounds is where you've touched upon earlier that 12 and a half thousand pounds is available as a tax-free allowance you know towards all of your earnings so dividends will be you know taxed separately to start with but eventually you know if all you're getting is dividends so you'll get your two two thousand pounds tax-free dividends but then if all you're getting is dividends then that's twelve and a half thousand pounds will be applied towards those dividends so you sort of got different brackets of income that is sort of pulled together but then they tax separately but then they tax together so it sounds very confusing but if you know if you put that on the paper it's actually um it's, it's quite uh, transparent um and if i confused you in any way patricia please oh, ask. no 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 I'm, I'm i'm literally just as you know well as you as i hope you know i'm hopeless with figures so this amount, so my £10,000 salary, I've, mm -hmm. I'm paying tax on it. So whether or not I sell my company, I can take that money out, can't I? Because mm -hmm. I've already paid tax on it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me just put that phone. I didn't expect that to be here. Um, yes, that is correct. Okay. Because you've accounted for tax. 
already on, on it already yeah. okay yeah. cool great wonderful okay so that is number two salary do you have any other mistakes that we tend to make uh, another one so another one is the when when people incorporate their limited companies um one step that is often missed is the classes of shares um often we would put our family members as shareholders um and we we will take the same classes of shares so you know here we're talking family family companies of course it will be very different um with you know if we're talking at spvs with um with um join them as a joint ventures so if you've got um let's say family company and let's say patricia you know you and i were you know we are family and we've got a we've got a company and you're thinking well i'll put i'll put you as a you, you let's say you will put me as a shareholder and then we want to take money out later on as pay pay ourselves dividends now if you have the same classes of shares you are very limited because you can only take out you can only declare dividend um the same amount per share so that that's where the limitation comes in whereas if you have different classes of shares then you will be able to take out different amounts to suit you so let's say if it was a husband and wife that's you know a standard setup um often one partner is you know higher earner and the other one may not be earning at all may not be a taxpayer so then when you're paying dividends you would probably want to put through as you know as much dividends as possible to the non-taxpayer because then you can maximize the um the basic rate band which allows you to take dividends at seven and a half percent so that's great but if you were a higher rate taxpayer and you paid yourself you know all that dividend that's you know we're looking at 38 percent of dividends so that's where um a mistake often comes because once you've built up um once a company is worth you know a lot more um and then you think oh actually i'm going to you know change the classes of shares or i'm going to uh perhaps issue more shares that's when it all becomes a little bit complicated and if you're wanting to perhaps pass the shares to your children or other members of family then that is considered as a disposal um for tax purposes and the tax capital gains tax will be payable um, and then obviously we've got the company valuation issues and it all becomes a much more expensive exercise whereas again this is something at the beginning that could be um, avoided and, um, and and planned better in fact i was talking to one of my clients um last week and we were we were discussing just that and I said to him, I said, well, look, if you are to put the alphabet, that's what we call alphabet shares um, in your company, then I know it costs more to set it up. Um, you know, it could cost you around thousand pounds to, to, to change your, um, to have, um, uh, well, what's the word? The 
to change your articles of association that's the one to change your articles of association thank you thank you patricia so it may cost you thousand pounds to change that and you think oh my goodness that's a lot of money but you would save your we went through the figures and i said by you spending that thousand pounds to change the articles of association you're going to benefit five thousand pounds in that particular tax year so it's going not only to pay for itself that saving but you're also going to get much more out of that um so when you quantify and then then if you look at the lasting benefit of it um it's remarkable um, it really is. And those are the things that people often don't know. These are the things people think they don't need at the beginning. But that beginning becomes, you know, you know how time goes by quickly. You know, five, ten years goes like a snap. And before you know it, you've built, um, you know, a good portfolio. And you're thinking, oh, you know, um, I want to take that money out. How do I do it? And then you go see your accountant and they say, well, if you had alphabet shares, you know, you could do this and we can change it into alphabet shares, but it's going to cost you that much. So, yeah, it's that that's one of the other mistakes. Um, let me think if I can possibly think of anything else. Um, Perhaps you can ask me a question, Patricia, so that to, 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 <laughs> okay. to, to get the conversation rolling. Okay. And what I'm also going to say to people is, honestly, click on Rosita's face, follow her, go into the rooms where she's talking, because that there's no way that Rosita can you know, distill all of the things, all of the knowledge in the topics that we're talking about here within an hour. Impossible absolutely impossible so what you're guessing is just like snippets of information which will allow you to think about your circumstances and then just say oh i need to do something about it i need to maybe go and speak to somebody about this so that's all that's about so do click on her face do follow her do again her her website is pinned above you know click on that G go talk to her talk to her you know get my I, I, my late father, God bless him, always used to say, don't be penny wise and pound foolish. And I so love that phrase. And I use it a lot. Honestly, people, please don't be penny wise and pound foolish. Spend a little bit of money to save you a lot more. Just like Rosita was saying with her last client, he spent a thousand pounds and yet was going to save five thousand pounds. So four thousand pounds net better off that is you know, so the thousand pounds really just pales into insignificance it's nothing absolutely nothing um so that's that rosita but also now okay so yeah just to kind of like just throw this in, in out there so i've got so this is me personally i have um i received some money from um a share of freeholds that i own so i own it with some other people and about, there are nine of us, and I think 10 people, oh, there's a story behind this, I'm not gonna go into it. So 10 people extended their leases, and um, of the 10 people, only, so eight of them were co-freehold owners, and two of them weren't. Anyway, I've been paid 
a nice sum of money in time for Christmas. And how do I how do I treat that? So let me not let me not tell you my understanding about how I treat the money. You tell me how do I treat that. So tell me a little bit more. Again, what's what entity paid you? Was that corporate entity or was that okay. a partnership? How how was okay. it? Okay, so what happened was when we bought the freehold, I actually owned a flat in the block. And then uh, somebody came to me and said, Patricia, we want to buy the freehold. Do you want to join in with us? So I said, oh, yes, please. You know, sounds good. So this was way back in, I think, 98. Um, and we each paid in, I can't actually remember exactly how much, but it was between like two and three thousand pounds. Um, then I sold my flat, but I didn't sell my share of freehold. Um, and then we nearly went to court over that. But in the end, they agreed that I could actually hold on to my share of freehold because I made sure that I did the right things and, you know, kind of like, you know, set it all up for me. And anyway, so I've been receiving like ground rent income since then. So and I treat that as income tax. I don't have any issues with that. Um, but with this kind of like lease extension business, they've paid me uh, 10,400 is my share of, so there are 24 flats altogether in the block. It's, it's a lovely block of flats in Clapham. Um, and um, so I've got this 10,400 that they've paid me. And I'm thinking this is a capital sum in my hands. Now, um, do I treat it as a part disposal, which I guess I ought to, because it's 24 flats and we're talking 10, so I guess it will be 10 24ths of the 2000, whatever it was that I spent to buy it. I'm just going to estimate it because I don't know. I can't remember how much it was. Um, and then I pay, and, and then I declare that as capital gains tax, but because I'm not making any other gain in the same tax year, I'm thinking that's going to be, I'll have my annual exemption to offset against it, so I won't have to pay any tax on it. So that is, that is where I'm at on that. Tell me. So, thank you. So then, again, going back to what structure was it? How was the deal structured? So your Sorry. share in that in that lease was is this a corporate structure um no yeah. we, no we all just bought in our individual names and then we had two two of us were nominated trustees um so yeah this is in my personal name not uh, and and the monies have come if well they've come from the solicitors acting on behalf mm. of the named trustees who yeah. are trustees for all of us so is this something that you do a lot of you know and then again so we would have to be looking at the you know badges of trade as you know patricia yeah so yep. no no this is not it's well i i am freeholder in more than one place but i yeah. I, I don't um trade in freeholds mm -hmm. and when I do get the freeholds, they are for investment purposes. And not, unfortunately for me, 
not too many of them want to, not too many leaseholders want to extend their leases because I'd be delighted if they all wanted to. So no, I, I, I think I'm safely out of the trading realm for this um, particular receipt. Yeah. Well, so there you are. So you sort of explained yourself really that if you feel comfortable that that's out of the, you know, trading realm, then yes, that would be a capital gains. And like you correctly said, so it will be below um, the 12,300 annual exemption and you would have to pay no tax on that, which is, you know, which is amazing. Um, but yes, it's just to make sure because obviously you are a property investor and, you know, as, as you know, in, in land, dealing in, in buildings in land is all about the intention what was the intention uh, purchasing that um, property and so this is actually where you know my passion lies for tax is that um, there isn't there's nothing black and white in tax it's all about the interpretation of law and it's the view that we take and it's how we pull uh, various acts together and how we interpret it all and how we argue our points. Um, and I'm sure you probably, Patricia, you agree is the same with in, in, in law with you. It's um it's how you argue your point because you've got to always think, you know, not not of the worst case scenario, but you've got to think, well actually if HMRC was to question that, how am I going to be um, defending this to be a capital gains transaction rather than income transaction. So for me, you know, number one is um, I would always look at, um, I'm just going to digress a little bit. Uh, back in March, I, uh, my, I, have a, I have a dog and uh, she had a litter um, of par five puppies. And we all know the prices of dogs um, this year that, the, that they were. And so we've sold um, four of those puppies and, the, you know, I put as a thumb post on my Facebook, will I actually have to pay capital gain, uh, sorry, the income tax or any tax on that? What is the situation? So, you know, number, number one step is you look where there is an exempt asset. So in property, obviously it isn't. But in my case, it was exempt um, because, um, you know, it's, it's a livestock, basically. Um, and also then you look at the badges of trade, how many, how many transactions, how it's been financed, um, you know, what is the, yeah, it, it was the profit motive, the, like I said, frequency, um, you know, the nature of asset, is there a similar trade? So for you, you see there is, obviously you are involved in a similar trade. Um, what type of finance was used, how long it was held for. So the fact that it was held for since, held since 1998 would, you know, be, be one of the, you know, determining factors of that leaning towards the capital gain. Um, and the way the transaction was carried out, reason for acquisition and sales. So they, this is where we are talking about the intention um, what is it that you were expecting to um, to achieve from that? So yeah, all of these um, all of these aspects will be looked at and argued 
and you know how many recently transactions similar transactions taking place what is it that you intend to do in the future you know so if it's just a one-off transaction yes but you know the more transactions like that you um you complete then the, those following transactions will taint the initial transactions um and 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 then you know it could could become a case where the first transaction yes it was capital gains but further transactions could be income tax do you know and thank you rosita and you know just for people in the room um i i didn't just guess my situation because again many moons ago i was also actually a chartered tax advisor um, I didn't know that. Oh, did I not? Have I not told you that? No, no. Oh no. gosh, yeah, yeah. I was. Um, I went down the indirect tax route, but obviously mm. I still had to do some direct tax stuff. Um, but yeah, I was ATII qualified back wow. in the day. Um, so it, it it kind of like just helps me a bit. Oh, okay, great stuff, wonderful. So we are coming to the end of the room, but Rosita you've shared with us some amazing, amazing things that people really should be thinking about, you know, in their property businesses. You've spoken about three of them. First of all is, you know, get proper tax advice. And then that way you can build your business on very, very solid foundations. And that is just amazing. Um, two is the salary um, option. You know, don't give it away. You know, look at what you can do, you know, through earning a salary you know, in your company and or companies. And the third one was, you know, look at classes of shares. If you are just, you know, forming your company and or you've only recently formed your company. So um, three, three, three amazing tips about mistakes that people make often in property and that we should not be making. Um, so like I've said to people in the room, please do tap on Rosita's face, please do follow her, please do tap on the link to her website because again you can get some more information from there and you know just go ask the question ask a question rosita's not going to mind and um kids if you don't ask you won't know you just really will not know and you know rosita is a very very kind and sharing person and she honestly will not mind now in terms of where you can find you know this particular discussion it will be on clubhouse as always it will be under my profile under rosita's profile and under the club profile so the club is the club which is above you can see the green monopoly house right at the top of your screens maximizing property pound 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 they wouldn't let me put values in there anyway there it is and if you want to subscribe to the club as well you know tap tap on there and you know just join and it will also be released as a podcast next week so on wednesday wednesday week it will be released as a podcast so if you tap on the link that i've just shared you might be able to see your favorite um listening app um and then just you know go there and subscribe to maximizing property values and there we are. You can listen to it, however you, whichever way you choose. So, Rosita, do you have any closing remarks for us?
before we end the room, I don't want to take up take up your valuable time because I know how valuable your time is. And thank, thank you so you much, for, you know, just sharing it with, you know, sharing your experience with us and being here today. I really, thank really appreciate you. it. I'm just so sorry. My dog is barking and I think I've got the UPS delivery, uh, the driver at the door actually coming to collect the parcel. So I'll be very quick. One thing that uh, you didn't mention in the summary is the saving of the uh, paying the director's uh, interest on a director's loan account. But I just really wanted to say thank you so much. Uh, what got me into uh, tax is the desire to help individuals and business owners to save tax um, because when i was married my husband ex-husband he ran a very a profitable business and we struggled to uh, find the ways of saving the money and that's what really inspired me to get into it and um yeah and and, and help everybody and ourselves so that's that's um, yeah that's my passion, and I'm sharing that with the world. And um, I'm really hoping to bring in um, to bring so much more um, to everybody in the years to come as my confidence grows, as my experience expands, and as my network um, also grows. So it's just. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky to be able to actually do the job that I absolutely love um, and that I can, I help people. And when, when my clients have tears in their eyes and they say, thank you so much, I'm so glad I found you, um, then I know I'm living my purpose and I'm just really overjoyed. So thank you so much, Patricia. I'm really grateful for your time and everybody who was here in this room and for this opportunity to, to spread the message and my passion. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, honestly, thank you for doing this with me. Um, and next week, people, we've got Anjuela Ismaili. Now, Anjuela will talk about how she invests in Albania. She's actually from Albania, but she will kind of like be talking about some opportunities if people are that way inclined. Um, but also, it's, it's, it's very good to... to to listen to somebody who's building up a property business as well as starting a family. She has a really, really young baby, so no doubt we're going to talk about her. Um, and um, in the meantime, everyone, have a great Christmas and hopefully see you next week on Wednesday. And once more, thank you very much, Rosita. Thank you, Patricia. Really appreciate that.